everybody. I'm Dweezil Zappa, and today my guest is Mark Latiri, and we're going to be talking about 5150. Mark, welcome. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks, dude. Thanks for having me. Well, of course. Right on. We've done a lot of playing live on stage before, and this is a new thing for us to be able to chat about some guitar in detail, but specifically Van Halen guitar in detail. That's right. I think this is going to be good because I'm interested to hear what you know about this stuff because I feel like I'm about to get educated. So let's just jump right into cool, man. talking about the songs. Now, the very yeah. first song, we talked about it before, Sammy starts off. It's a perfect introduction <laughs> to like, oh, new singer. He introduces <laughs> himself, <laughs> you know, and he's got this huge voice that when I first heard his voice, I didn't really recognize all the similarities to Roger Daltrey. But when you hear him do a lot of the screaming, yes. it really is in there. And when they did that Who song, of course, there's kind on, of Who all over this record. Yeah. There's a lot of Who, who in, stuff in Van Halen that I, well, I didn't sure. notice as much until later on. But yeah, so straight away, he comes in with Big Bopper kind of reference. Mm -hmm. His voice is front and center, huge. We hear the song kick in. New guitar sound, pretty dry, obviously has some harmonizer on it. Yeah, I was going to say there's some kind of stereo yeah. imaging thing happening. Yeah, so what did you think when you first heard it? I, I noticed how dry it was. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it felt like... To me, it felt like a, a continuation of where 1984 would have gone if they had hung out in the studio longer. You know what I mean? Like this could this could have been a 1984 track to me. Well, the interesting um, thing is the riff itself was. Is that around? Did they write that back then or something? Elements of it were around because he did the wildlife soundtrack and parts of okay. parts of this song are in the wildlife soundtrack music, and he just kind of rearranged oh. some things. But even at that time, the sound he had when he was recording that stuff was very close to what this sound is. Okay. Way less ambience and more yeah. of like a stereo spread. Right. The difference here is that when you listen to this, you start thinking, how is he getting that low note to be so low and growly? Yeah. You know? And Cause. Then it, but, but then you're like, but wait a minute. <laughs> He's still using the vibrato bar. So what's going on here? It's not an octave pedal and it's not, it's just affecting this low string. So I don't know exactly how he did this, but apparently even on the 1984 tour, he had a guitar that was rigged up with a bass string for his low E string. I don't know the gauge. I read that, I read that as well. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the gauge. Some people said it was an A string, but I think that might've been too big. So I bet it was a, it was probably a, a G. Yeah. Cause you know, the thing like is, if he was using the Floyd, something. that string would have to fit through that nut and it would right. have to be able to be clamped down. And then you'd get this weird <laughs> clamp like this because the other string would yeah. be too thick. Yeah, exactly. So, huh? my well, guess... What makes the little... Oh, sorry, go ahead, dude. Yeah, no, my guess is that you could have that thing be fairly floppy on there because you're above a 62. You know, he's mm -hmm. probably like mm -hmm. in the 72 or... or could have been who knows, range for, for the gauge. But he had started playing around with that live on stage where he had a guitar tuned up. They would play Ain't Talking About Love. And he would use that low E below E on mm. that guitar. That's rad. Yeah, so there was some cool stuff that he would yeah. do. But on this one, the other thing that's strange is now we're in A440 tuning. He's mm. not tuned a half step down anymore. 
That's right, which I'm sure was for Sam's voice, I would imagine. I would think, but I mean, it's I weird. wonder how that conversation went. Yeah. <laughs> like, Ed, we're going to need you to tune in 440, buddy. <laughs> like, what? I mean, I would have thought that it would have given Sam even more flexibility if they stayed down a half step, but... Sometimes hmm. the timbre of the instrumentation, obviously it changes very much for electric guitar if you're yeah. in A440 or if you're half step down. But this is, I think, maybe the first record that they did that was standard I think tuning. it is. Yeah. Yeah. But he gets that cool, in the section where it's kind of like, almost like those, yeah, man, what the heck? That's so killing. Like, it's just, in the tone, I don't know what, if the amp, what it was, but it has this low end, like, oh shit, it might die. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> like this... fart to it, but like in a good, like a pleasing fart. Yeah, there's <laughs> you know? something in that song. And then also Get Up and Summer Nights, where there's a certain fizziness that is yes. happening in the low end. And what it reminds me of is the sound of in good enough. He's not playing a Steinberger in the other two. He's playing a Steinberger. So, yeah. So, but the thing that I was going to get at is when you have a guitar that has active electronics in it, it hits an amp in a totally different way. And the Steinbergers right. also had a circuit where in the tone knob, if you just rolled it back a little bit, it kind of brought almost not quite a half cocked wah, but it definitely a mid range focus. Oh, okay. So when you hear, when you really listen to like summer nights, for example, mm -hmm. you'll hear much more mid range, but, but that weird fuzz that we're talking about, like I hear that if I'm working with my own equipment, I hear that kind of thing come in when you have kind of an impedance mismatch or you have this situation where if you have um, active electronics and a buffer going into like a fuzz does not like each other. And sometimes ah. you can get a good sound and sometimes you don't like it, but it has that element of that weird crushed fuzziness. Yeah. It's like a bit crusher or yeah, something like there's that. There's something going on there. That's like that. And I feel like it, it had to do, especially with the, the Steinberger guitars, it had to do with the active electronics and he may or may not have a pedal, had a pedal in line that it didn't like, but he liked the sound of what it was doing because it did that, you know? Yeah. So well, I don't know, but there's a hint of that in good enough but I think it might also be coming from like driving the eventide too hard. Oh, the you think it's like a digital artifact or something? I like think that? I think maybe some of that weirdness. It's a parallel processing kind of thing where uh, wow. I don't know exactly, but I've I've heard these kind of things in my own experimentation. That weird bit of that fuzzy character can be huh. introduced in different ways, but I don't know exactly how it was introduced here, but I hear it. And I know from my experience that sometimes you like the sound and sometimes you don't like the sound, but yeah. he went with that and you hear it. It adds character to good enough. It's that weird thing where you just go, what is that? Why is it sounding like extra? Uh, I don't know. It's like uh, it's process isn't the right word, but that's what, yeah. But uh, right. it's like this part of it is the low end grind, you know, right. it's like, it's hard to describe what it is, but you know, it's different from the other stuff that seemed yeah. more organic from his other recordings or other 
playing. And it translates the the his pick attack translates in a cool way. Yeah, with that tone too. That's I did notice that especially on that that low section that we're talking about. Um, yeah, whatever he was doing was really reacting. I wonder, was he using metal picks at the time? I don't or? think he was. I think he was still using his thinner picks because okay. I have some picks from that uh, era and they were, yeah. that. but there's Every one thing that he did. Like, there's one, there's one thing, thing that it. he did do though. And you have your guitar. I don't have a guitar handy, but if you can play that ascending part there, the bass line. Well, part, I'm not, I'm not tuned in A. That's okay. <laughs> but, I, but I want you to do one little thing when you just play the part for a second. Oh, let me turn the amp on. That'd be good. So, yeah. Now right. the part later on where it just, it's all on the low string and he's doing the, the climbing. You know the part where he's just doing the bass line climbing part later mm -hmm. on the low string? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you can play that, I want you to try one thing while you're playing it. Uh, well, let's see. It's not going to be in the right key, though. Uh, it, well, just play something similar to okay. what the part is. So that would have normally been a low A string. Yeah, but there's times when you hear the pick scraping against the string, and mm -hmm. sometimes it might have even been his fingernail. So if you ah, if yeah. you try playing where you just scrape with your fingernail, like that kind of thing, play play that line and scrape with your fingernail. Without the pick, just like use the edge of your fingernail to get the yeah. Oh, like don't even okay. Yeah. So no, there's sound there's, good there's, when I do it. <laughs> there's there's a couple of little things where he gets this kind of scrape where uh, and I've done this before where I just use the edge of my thumb fingernail like uh, this. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you can hear a couple of those little kind of things oh, happening in that there. That sounds like something he would do. Yeah. Oh, sick. Okay. Yeah, so that's a cool sound anyway, you know, but when you have a really low string, it brings out those weird harmonics because you you have stuff for your finger to, to right. there's more surface area for it to scratch, you know? Right. Huh. I learned something. <laughs> I knew I would. <laughs> I knew this. I knew this. Yeah, little, little bits and pieces. Nuances. You know? That's sick. So again, you know, he's got this low string and he's also using the vibrato bar and, and doing crazy harmonics. Now, this might have been the first time, and I don't know this to be exactly true, but I feel like it is the first time that he really did that horse harmonic sound, you know, the horsey. Hmm. Was it the first time? I think it's the first time where it's really heavily focused like because you hear it at the very end of the song it, it's probably right. one of his most pronounced hi-ho silvers <laughs> yeah and then it was like all the time yeah yeah but this is the i first... could never do that <laughs> it's it's kind of tricky but it really comes down to having the right frequencies in your tone to let mm -hmm. those actually ring out you know because yeah. it's hard to get them to begin with but he obviously was quite good at it in that song yeah. for sure so let's see we had already talked about a lot about the sound but what did you think of the song overall with the sections that are in it because it's got these arpeggiations of things like a lot of different what well, has that structure cool, what i did notice was in the the solos in six which is pretty dope like yeah you know what i mean like when it goes to the f kind of like f lydian 
kind of thing. It, I've noticed a lot listening to this record. Like, man, Ed writes really cool rhythm parts and harmony parts for his solos on this record. Like, they're almost like these little mini compositions. And he's done and, that throughout uh, his whole career. I would not have thought of, to do that in yeah. six. Because it's, it's like a pop rock radio tune. Yeah. So, do it in four. <laughs> but that's <laughs> but, the thing. That's, no. <laughs> that's the thing that was always present in his music. There was this lack of fear to experiment in that way. And, you know, he would do things like sometimes noise would be an actual part of a song, you know, like chicka or pick slides mm-hmm. or other things became... Well, after uh, when Sammy says, good enough to, and it's like, blink. Yeah, that's <laughs> the run, running with the <laughs> devil like, comes uh, back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's all those kind of little things that it's a sense of humor, but it's also a sense of anything goes. You well, know? I think they definitely... Even when they we're talking about how fat and thick and juicy the guitar tone. Well, the song's about steak and or sex. And so. <laughs> yeah. Rack of what? Like, yeah. <laughs> right. So it kind of leaves your mouth watering in sort of a strange kind of way. <laughs> like, But I thought, you know, maybe this whole thing. Uh, yeah. I wonder. I'm kind of wondering what maybe they wrote first. If, the, if Sammy came in with some lyrics and Ed was like, hey, I've got this riff. Well, you know, I guess you said there was that from that the wild yeah. thing. I think in the initial days when they first met up to start playing together, Ed was surprised that Sammy could sing a song almost immediately. He would just start right. singing lyrics and he would come up with melodies and the song would sound like it was almost completed. That's one right. of the things that he really liked about the initial working yeah. experience so I think Sammy was just singing whatever. And then it was like, oh, you like that? Let me write it down. Okay, now we have this song where Dave might have been a little bit more abstract with some of the things that he said, right. like you were talking about. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's definitely, this tune in particular, I feel, I mean, even though the lyrics have are very straight up the middle, the context and the sound and the way the words kind of make the images in your brain, to me, translate to the sound of the guitar really well. And so I think that may, that may have been a conscious choice they wanted that low a to sound like sizzling meat you know (laughs) and it does perhaps there's a steak in the background anyway you know yeah right (laughs) the only thing we haven't really talked about is the solo and obviously we like to go into detail on the solos on every song on this podcast but i think overall on the record i feel like a lot of the things that ed wound up with on the record were improvised things it was less these are all one take things a lot of them feel like they are or they have been written out right which i don't think you ever really did but well he did to uh, some degree on some songs so that they could cut i heard that there was cutting and pasting in some which is fine i don't have a problem with that obviously but um it feels more like what it sounds like when they're at rehearsal or on stage and he decides to do something that's right different on. than the record. So at this point in his musical career, he's got a vocabulary and he's got a bag of tricks that he's comfortable with. And it feels mm-hmm. like on this record, he is wanting to play in the moment, but he is not necessarily pushing like where he on fair warning in 1984, he was pushing forward. Like, you know, Alan Holdsworth was a big influence for a period of time and that stuff was kind of creeping into his playing. But mm-hmm. here it feels like almost the atmosphere of everything is it goes to the good time party atmosphere again, but he's just kind of in the spirit of whatever it is in that moment without trying to push it 
further is what it feels like to right. me. You don't feel it is constrained though. No, or... I don't feel it as constrained. I feel like no. there's a certain vocabulary of his that he's just comfortable with that. Yeah. It's that kind of thing of that. What do you do when you first pick up a guitar? That, oh, okay. It's that kind of feeling, you know? I see. It's that comfort of like, oh, these are the things that I do. This is how I test my stuff. And yeah. this is my comfort zone area. That's a blazer. Yeah, but that's the I kind mean, of stuff that, that he would do if he's just in the moment, you know? And that's, you know, it's kind of a cool solo if somebody was like, what does Eddie Van Halen sound like on lead guitar? Like, well, this is a good example because it's got the two handed stuff, it's got the whammy stuff, it's got those nice triplet runs, it's got that huge bend. Yeah. You know? All right. If you're looking for character, space, and mood, the Juliana Deluxe Chorus Vibrato and the Mako D1 Series High Fidelity Echo Machine from Walrus Audio are for you. Running with the Dweezil is found exclusively at DweezilZappa.com, a reward music-powered artist site. With more than 30 episodes and over 50 hours of commentary and conversation, Running with the Dweezil takes you on a journey showcasing the music of Van Halen.